in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, on that name. Today, we will study Matthew chapter 9, part of it, not all of it. In this chapter, actually, there are three things we need to focus on. Number one, the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to forgive sins, which actually proves uh, the divinity of Christ. As you know, uh, Matthew wrote his gospel to the Jews, and he wanted to prove to them that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is God, the Messiah, the anointed one. That's why he proved to them that he has power to forgive sins. Also, the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ, how his ministry was focused to search for the lost and search for the sinner. And his willingness actually to eat and to mingle with the sinners, as he said, I did not come to call righteous, but sinners to repentance. And the last part is his compassion for the lost sheep. And as you know, chapter 9, in which the Lord showed to us how important we need to search for the lost sheep, chapter 10, when the Lord chose the 12 disciples and sent to them to Formis. So, this compassion was translated into action by choosing the twelve and sending them into ministry. So, chapter 9 is all about uh, people seeing the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and chapter 8 and chapter 9 are, if you have some miracles, that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, performed. And one of the most interesting things to know about all the miracles in chapter 8 and chapter 9 is the lack of any sort of chapter on the sky. They are different uh, miracles. So we see different miracles performed in lots of different ways. And as I told you, Matthew mentioned all these miracles to prove that Jesus is the Messiah. The validation of Jesus as God. Because it is only God who has the power to do these supernatural miracles. All those who are given this gift by God. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ performed all these miracles to prove that He is the Messiah. He is the one. And also to show his love and compassion, because he performed miracles not only just showing off or to prove his divinity, but with every miracle we can see his compassion and his love for the people, for the weak, and for the humanity that actually was under bondage. After the fall of Adam and Eve, and that's why you can see 
his ministry is not only about the eternal salvation, but his, his love for us and he wants every one of us to live a good life here on earth and then uh, in the kingdom of heaven. And good life doesn't mean life without hardships, but in this in these hardships, Christ is with us, supporting us, helping us, granting us His peace. Uh, if we want to testify the chapter, the first part, uh, he returned back to Babylon, uh, and he starts to do his ministry in Galilee, and he heals uh, the religious man and forgives his sins. Just from verse first one to verse eight. From verse 9 to 17, calling of Matthew the tax collector, who became one of the twelve disciples. From 18 to 26, the Lord raised uh, the daughter of Jairus, one of the rulers, and healed a woman who had a flow of blood. Verse 27 to 34, healing of two blind men and another man was also demon possessed. And from verse 35 to 38, the Lord was actually teaching and healing, moving with compassion, uh, attending to the needs of multitudes around him. And uh, chapter 9 ends with the Lord Jesus Christ requesting that prayer be made to God for more Christian workers. And as I told you, chapter 10 start by appointing the church disciples. Let's start reading verse by verse from verse 1. So he got into the boat, into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. So, uh, after the people, uh, after he healed the, the man who was demon possessed in Dadra, and the people requested him to leave their uh, city. The Lord actually agreed to their request and left Gadra and went to Kapernaum. Uh, and Kapernaum was considered his city. Uh, you know, he grew up in Nazareth, but when he grew up, he lived uh, in, uh, in Kapernaum. Uh, this story, hearing of paralytic, was also mentioned in Luke chapter 5 with more details. But here, uh, St. Matthew is focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ forgiving the sins. Uh, again, as we said, Matthew just wanted to prove to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. And so, this paralytic man was anxious to be healed from his illness. And these four men who brought him to the front of the Lord Jesus Christ 
were anxious that he did. But instead of taking the hand, he told the hand, Your sins are forgiven. And here we read that when the Lord Jesus Christ saw their faith, this cannot be seen. So, what does it mean that he saw their faith? This means he saw the words they did, which actually reflected the faith in their hearts. So, when I, see, when I tell you I see your love, love is not seen. When I say I see your faith, this cannot be seen. But I can see your love or your faith from your words. That's why the letter of St. James, show me your faith by your words. Show me your faith by your words. Uh, these men believe that the faith, that the Lord Jesus Christ had the power, and also had enough love and care for the man. That's why they endured all the struggle to bring uh, this man in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, why the Lord told him your sins uh, are forgiven? It could be that this paralysis is a result of his sin. It could be. Because sometimes there is a relation between the sin and disease. Yes, not every disease is caused by sin. You know, I'm sure the story of the man who was born blind, when they told him who had sinned, this man or his parents, the Lord said, neither this man nor his parents, but that the works of God may be revealed in him. So, the fact that the Lord told him your sins are forgiven, could be that uh, this man, this illness, is because of his sins. Uh, this why here you can see the Lord Jesus Christ goes directly to the core and to the source of disease, which is sin, and he heals after this the body of the paralytic person after healing his spirit. Uh, in Psalm 103, verse 3, uh, while David was counting all the blessings of God, who said, God is the one who forgives all our iniquities, the one who heals all our diseases. Uh, so, can see, we, can, we can see here how forgiveness and pardoning the sin actually comes before death. And we practice the sin in the sacrament of the unction of the sick. St. James, in James chapter 5, he said, And if he committed any sin, uh, it will be forgiven. So, uh, in the answer of, uh, of sick, uh, the person before being anointed with oil should have repented, confessed his sin, as St. James said, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that they may be healed. So here there are two elements, repentance and confession and prayer so the healing will come. Uh, verse 16, 
And that runs some of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your heart? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise and go. The scribes, as you know, were, were considered the educated class. The scribes, those who used to transcribe the scripture. And because they were writing the scripture, also they were interpreters of the scripture. So they were considered the theologian, and anybody who wants to understand any passage, they used to go to the, the, the scribes. Uh, whenever so this is Christ said about the Lord Jesus Christ, he blasphemes. Whenever the word blasphemy is used in reference to God, it simply signifies to speak immorally of his nature or attributes or words. So here actually they said that the Lord Jesus Christ is blaspheming because he gave himself one of the attributes of God. It is only God who forgives sins. How does it say, you know, uh, your sins are forgiven? This was the beginning of opposition against the Lord Jesus Christ, which ended in his crucifixion. <laughs> and uh, if you remember, in the trial of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, one of the accusations that was brought about the Lord Jesus Christ that he blasphemes, that he blasphemes. The Lord Jesus Christ proved to them again his divinity, that he is God. How? By telling them about what is going on in their hearts and in their minds. We read here that the Lord Jesus knew their thoughts. And he started to speak to them about their thoughts. Because God is the only one who searches the hearts and reigns. So here God actually searches their hearts and reigns and told them, why do you think this way? And, and here actually he proved to them that he has power to forgive sins because he is God, one who searches hearts and souls. Uh, and he called their souls evil. He told them, why do you think evil? Because denying the divinity of Christ is evil. Denying that Jesus is God is evil. That's why he told them, why do you think evil in your thoughts? Denying the divinity of Christ to the end of life this actually blessed me against the Holy Spirit. Many people ask, what's blessed me against the Holy Spirit? Bless me against the Holy Spirit is denying the divinity of Christ to the end. Why? The Holy Spirit is the one who makes us convinced of the divinity of Jesus. No one can say Jesus is God except by the Holy Spirit. So, resisting the work of the Holy Spirit will make us actually deny 
the divinity of Christ. And as we know, this is the only unforgivable sin in the Bible, is to continually deny the Lord Jesus as God. So, the whole point of this story is that Jesus wants to prove to them his authority to forgive sins. So he told them, which is easier, to say to this person, your sins are forgiven, or to tell him, arise and walk. Maybe for the first moment to say, of course, to tell him, your sins are forgiven is easier. But to tell him, arise and walk, this is a miracle. It's not an easy thing to do. But actually, the answer to this question is exactly the opposite. Actually, for the Lord Jesus Christ to say to this person, arise and walk, it will not cost him anything. He is God, and through the power of his divinity, he can tell him, arise and walk, and he will walk. But to tell him, your sins are forgiven, actually, this costs the Lord Jesus Christ to become man, to die on the cross, to suffer all the suffering for us. As St. Peter said, you are precious, not with gold and silver, but with the blood of the innocent man, the Lamb of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. So, when you hear these words, your sins are forgiven, you should know that these words have a price, have a very, very high price, more than gold and silver and precious stone. Your sins are forgiven. But to say to the man, arise and walk, it will not cost to the Lord Jesus Christ anything. Besides, this man, if he is here, he will live 40, 50, 60 years, and then he will die. And if his sins are not forgiven, he will die and will go to hell. But if this man was not healed, but his sins are forgiven, so yes, he may suffer the rest of his life, Again, 56 years as a, uh, from paralysis, but when he dies, he will go to heaven. So the Lord is telling him, I am giving him the most important gift. The gift that will last for him eternally, not something temporary. That's why, because my love for him and my care for him, I give him the most important gift, which is the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sin. So, uh, if I, the Lord is saying, if I can do the most difficult thing, which is the forgiveness of sins, definitely I can do the easier thing, which is healing this paralytic man. That's why in verse uh, 6, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forget sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. So the purpose of this miracle is to prove to them that he has power to forget sins. As we read in verse 6, he told them that you know that I have power to forget sins, I will heal him. Then he told him, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. 
was seven immediately close to his feet, and he arose and departed to his house. And what was the reaction? Verse 8, Now when the multitudes saw it, they marveled and glorified God, who had given such power to men. So, the Lord here used this external miracle as a proof to his divinity. He has power to forgive things. So actually, in this story, we can see three miracles. Number one, the forgiveness of sin. Number two, the judgment of the secret thoughts of the scribes. And number three, the restoring of the paralytic man to perfect health. So, here's some Matthew in his gospel who want to tell them, when I use this secretion son of man, it is not simply mean he is just a regular human being, but son of God became son of man. God became man in order to redeem us and to save us and to forgive our sins. And, and actually, he was referring, Matthew was referring to the Old Testament, to Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, and verse 14, where this phrase, Son of Man, is used for the Messiah. And because he was addressing the Jews, so he told them, go back to Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, and you will find that. This phrase, Son of Man, actually is used to refer to the Messiah. And this man actually was healed instantly with one word. Uh, and it was a miracle that was done in front of everybody in a public manner. So the fact that a man, just before perfectly helpless, could now pick up and carry his own bed for health, proves that a divine power has been exerted, a miracle. And that fact proves that Jesus, who had performed the miracle, must also have the power and authority to forgive sins. In this now when the multitude saw it, they marvel and glorify to God who have given such power to men. So since that's the point of verse 8 is that the crowd still did not get who Jesus was because they said God gave such power to men. In their mind, Jesus is still a man and God gave power to this man. They thought at that point that Jesus was just some person who, uh, who God had given him special power to perform miracles. Yes, they were so impressed and fascinating by the paralytic getting up and walking, uh, but they forget about what the Lord told to the paralytic man, your sins are forgiven. And no one can forget sins on earth except God. 
So I can see here sometimes miracles are not enough to change the heart of the people or to make them even believe. Then another story, which is the calling of Matthew, and he has another name, Levi, and this is the author of this gospel. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the text office, and he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened that Jesus sat at the table in the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, he said to his disciples, What does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and no sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Text uh, collectors were the most hated people in Israel. Uh, they were actually traitors to their own people. They were unjust. They were greedy. They were lovers of money. And that's collected commonly treated people and grew in wealth. And they were supported by the Roman army. That's why they were considered traitors. So, Matthew actually introduced himself as tax collector. He sent the message that he was among this group who were most hated uh, in Israel. He was called also Levi. Matthew, the word Matthew, means gift from God. And by the way, Matthew and Matthias is the same word. Matthew and Matthias is the same word, which means gift from God. Uh, here the Lord Jesus Christ, how he called Matthew while he was a tax collector? Uh, because he searches the heart of people. So he knew that Matthew has a potential. He finds a good spiritual father, a good leader, actually he will be converted. So he saw the potential in Matthew and called him and told him, follow me. Uh, and when he told him, follow me, immediately he left everything and followed the Lord Jesus Christ. How blessed it is to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and to obey His commandments without any delay. The person may lose much happiness and, and glory when he delays in his obedience to the Lord. Matthew won't to do a celebration, a banquet for the Lord Jesus Christ, as also we read in Luke chapter 5, verse 29. Uh, this is another circumstance 
favorable to send a message was omitted by him and recorded by St. Luke, so it also that the apostles were averse to praising themselves. Uh, St. Luke mentioned this piece that performed by St. Matthew uh, in, in much details. But Matthew did not mention here because he doesn't want to seek anything glory by speaking about the benefit of the peace that he made to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but the story here, Matthew brought all his associates to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. When a person is touched by the love and compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ, he wants everybody else to taste and see how good is the Lord, to make everybody believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as uh, he himself believed in him. But the Pharisees, who were attended also, accused the Lord Jesus Christ of how he eats and drinks with the wicked. And he accused the Lord Jesus Christ. The Pharisees actually would not eat with Gentiles, would not eat with uh, sinners, uh, as they consider themselves from another place. They cannot eat with these people. And in their mind, if the Lord Jesus Christ is truly righteous, then he should not eat with them. Now he is delighted to be in their company. This means he is not a righteous man in their mind. Uh, so the Lord told them, I did not come to call righteous. I came to call sinners. The will do not need a physician, but the sick. So those who suppose their souls to be without disease will not welcome the spiritual physician. They will accuse him and attack him. And this was the case with the Pharisees. That's why they despised the Lord Jesus Christ, because they considered themselves whole, although they were blind. They considered themselves righteous, although they were sinners. But the poor publicans and fairy and sinners, uh, who felt they are spiritually ill, actually they went to the Lord Jesus Christ, seeking guidance, seeking forgiveness of sins, seeing uh, to be losing from their bondage. When the Lord told him, go and learn what I need. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. This verse actually is from, uh, it's a quote from Hosea, chapter 6 and verse 6. Uh, and now the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to the Pharisees who knew very well the Old Testament. So he told them, Did you read in the Old Testament what Hosea said? I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Did you, under, you know this verse, but did you really understand what this verse means? Actually, this verse means 
God wants us to have kind hearts, to have compassion over the weak, to search for the lost. This is actually more important for any ceremony. If I did a ceremony, but without having kind heart and a compassionate soul, it will not benefit me. Sacrifice is right, but mercy is important. Because sacrifice without mercy will not help you. Actually, it can be judgment against you. So, clearly, he told them, my mission here on earth is to see the sinners. Verse 14, then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Another question. And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. So, we asked him a question about fasting. This question about fasting, you can find it also in Mark chapter 2, from verse 18 to 22, and Luke chapter 5, verse 53 to 39. Um, the disciple of John, that is John the Baptist. John the Baptist. It is probable that he had understood that John was the forerunner of the Messiah. And if such was the case, he could not account for the fact that there was much difference between them and the disciples of Jesus. If John is the forerunner of Jesus, then the disciples of John in their practices should be similar to the disciples of Jesus. But if the disciples of John are fasting, and even the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but not the disciples of John, uh, of Jesus, this actually made them think could be the Messiah or not. Uh, the Pharisees used to fast twice a week, as in the prayer of the Pharisees who entered the temple and said, I, I fast twice a week. And fasting is a sign of sorrow, sign of sorrow. So the Lord told them, I am the bridegroom, and I am with my disciples. We cannot fast and, and grieve while I am with them. But when actually I leave them and ascend to heaven, so they will fast. And that's why we fast the fasting of the apostles after the ascension and after the Pentecost as the Lord Jesus Christ said. St. John Chrysostom, he said, calling to their mind John's word, when he said, he that has the bride is the bridegroom. He were the disciples of John, and John is the one who described the Lord Jesus as the bridegroom. So here the Lord is reminding them with what John the Baptist said about him. But the friend of the bridegroom, John the Baptist, which stands and hears him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Fasting was always esteemed a great virtue. 
Moses, Elijah, some uh, many people in the Old Testament, then in the Bible, Daniel, David, many people actually passed. In the New Testament, under the prophets, the St. John the Baptist, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, Cornelius is a centurion. So, this arrogant introduction of the disciples of St. John was highly blameable. Not only for joining with the Pharisees, whom they knew their master so much from them, but also for accusing him falsely, who they knew was foretold by John's own testimony. That's what St. Jerome said. St. Jerome said what the disciples of John did was actually to be blamed. Their master, John the Baptist, actually clearly condemns the Pharisees. So how can they join themselves to the Pharisees whom John the Baptist condemned? And actually they are interrogating the Lord Jesus Christ about whom John the Baptist himself bore witness and testified that he is the bridegroom, the Messiah. Uh, as the Lord told them, when I ascend, there will come a time when the Lord's disciples must bear the cross of affliction and purification. Uh, and, and here is actually a lesson for us. For us, the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, there are both a time for rejoicing in the Lord's presence and celebrating His goodness and a time for seeking the Lord with humility, humbleness, and fasting and for mourning over sin. That's why in our church there are times for fast and times for peace. Peace celebrate with joy the presence of the Lord. Fasting to approach the Lord with humbleness, humility, then, verse 16, he told to them, No one puts a piece of unshrunk clothes on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and the tear is made worse. The Lord, he told to them, You cannot put the old and uh, the new together. Is, is it suitable or not suitable? Actually, if you have a very old garment and then you want to patch it and you put a piece of the new uh, clothes, the, the new clothes, because it is uh, new and strong, actually it will tear more than the old one and it, it will make it worse. So he gives an illustration uh, in order to prove to, uh, to them. Uh, Suitability or fitness of things. Suitability or fitness of things. So, as if he was telling them, it is not suitable, it is not fitting for the disciples to fast right now. It was not usual to take a piece of rough woolen cloth which had never been prepared to join to an old garment, for it would not join well with the soft old garment. But would tear it further, and the rain would be made worse. Uh, he gives them another example about wine, 
verse 17, nor do we put new wine into old wine skins, or else the wine skins break, and the wine is spilled, and the wine skins are ruined. But we put new wine into new wine skins, and both are preserved. So we give them another illustration. At the time of the Lord Jesus Christ, wine was stored in wine skins and not bottles. Uh, new wine poured into skins was still fermenting. And the gases exerted will, will produce pressure. So, new wine skins were elastic enough to take the pressure. But old wine skins are not elastic. So, the old wine skins, when you put new wine and the new wine is still fermenting and produces the gases, then actually it burst forth because they were hard, not elastic. So, the new doctrine, here is the message new doctrine do not match the old rights of the heresies. New doctrine does not match old rights of heresies. So there is a right place for the old as well as the new. Uh, and this reminds us with what the Lord Jesus Christ said. The kingdom of heaven is like a house builder who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Uh, and here there is a lesson to us. The Lord Jesus Christ doesn't want us to hold rigidly to the past and to be resistant to the new work of His Holy Spirit in our life. Many people they don't understand when we try to do something new. They don't. They, they think we are destroying the past of the tradition. But as we say, you know, the church is like a high-rise building. You, you can grow and you, you add more stories to the building. But the foundation is the same. You cannot change uh, the foundation. He wants our minds and hearts to be like new wine skins, open and ready to receive the new wine of the Holy Spirit. That whole illustration has to do with the way people misunderstood Jesus' ministry and purpose. Uh, so here, the Lord is telling them, I'm starting something new. Uh, so Jesus is starting something new, and that his purpose is not understood by the religious Jews of that day. Then, the miracle of healing is a woman who is bleeding and also raising the dead daughter of the ruler, verse 18, while he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. Suddenly, a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For uh, she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, 
I said immediately. But Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, Make room, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping, and they ridiculed him. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went out into all that land. This narrative is about one of the rulers of the synagogue. His name was mentioned in Mark and Lucas, Marcus and Luke. His name was Jairus. This narrative was mentioned in the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. From the other Gospels, we learn that the girl was 12 years old. And our Lord Jesus Christ could have acted as well at distance. He could actually heal, raise the girl without going. He doesn't have to go there to raise this girl from there. But going to that place, he told the disciples not to spare either their steps or their hands when salvation of a soul is in question. So, going this journey to the house of the ruler, he teaches us how to go and do the situation. Some school servants know the visit by text message really by phone calls by email. But here's the Lord is, although he was able to hear her, but to raise her from this from a distance, but he went all the way to her house to teach us how we should not actually spare any effort for the salvation of anything. But on his way to the house of Jairus, another miracle took place. There was a woman bleeding for a very long time. And according to the Jewish law, this was considered uncleanness. Uncleanness. Uh, and the woman was therefore unwilling to make personal application to Jesus or even to touch him. It was prohibited for a bleeding woman to touch any person because she is unclean, according to the Jewish tradition. So she came actually and touched only the hem of his garment. The hem of his garment was a square garment thrown over the shoulder. And this is all the way to the bottom. Uh, and, and, and this garment actually was surrounded by uh, a border of fringe, uh, uh, and this fringe has threads hanging down. This threads is the hand. That's what she touched. She touches these threads that come from the border, which is attached to the garment. Uh, and the Jews were commanded to wear this in order to distinguish themselves from other nations, as we read in the book Numbers chapter 15, verse 38 and 39, Deuteronomy 22, verse 12. Her face was so strong 
and she believed, she firmly believed that just by touching any part of his garment, she will be healed. Her faith, her strong confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ has been the means of her restoration. And she was healed. But her faith here was a condition on her part. This case is not a passive case, but this case was demonstrated in word. She came and she touched the hem of his garment. Because passive faith is a big thing. I mean by passive faith, faith without words. As St. James said, faith without words is dead. Um, when he called her daughter, can you imagine this woman for so many years was rejected by society, considering her unclean? And here the Lord actually is calling her daughter, as if he is sending her a message, you are accepted, you are loved, you are my daughter. It's a word of tenderness and affection to give her courage. Uh, and what about Yairus? Yairus, uh, actually, there is no indication here that he was bothered uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ is delayed to go to his house. I'm sure this miracle delayed his arrival to the house of Yairus. And maybe Yairus was anxious to want the Lord Jesus Christ to go sooner in order to rescue his daughter. But there is no indication that he was bothered by this delay, which means he was a godly man. When the Lord entered, he found people who were mourning. It was a custom in, in the Jewish culture to hire professional mourners. Uh, and when the Lord told them, he is not dead, uh, and he left and ridiculed him because he knew for sure she is dead. But the Lord here meant that she will not continue to be under the power of death, but she, she shall be raised from death. Uh, so now speaking as if she is sleeping, uh, like a natural sleep. But as I told you, the mourners were certain that this girl was dead, uh, and she did not understand the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they ridiculed him, and he laughed in mockery. Here the Lord is teaching us not to be afraid of death. This now is like a condition of sleep, as we say in the letter of the departed, there is no death for your servants, but a departure. And if we really believe that this is just a state or a condition of a state, why we weep and mourn as we have no hope? St. Paul in First Thessalonians chapter 4, he said, Don't grieve like those who have no hope. Why do you afflict yourself? This was the advice to who have no hope. 
as we read in the Gospel of St. Luke, the Lord Jesus Christ was not alone, but he was accompanied by Peter, James, John, and also the parents of this girl. Uh, and he told her in Hebrew, Talitha Kumi, which means uh, young girl arrives. That's uh, not Hebrew Aramaic. Aramaic, which was the language spoken by common people in Palestine at the time of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Talitha Kumi means rise my child, rise my child. And here, she immediately obeyed the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has power to raise from the dead, she arose and walked. So, Luke actually, uh, showed to us the astonishment felt by the parents, because they knew that their daughter is dead, but now she rose from them. And of course, the three disciples were amazed when they saw the Lord Jesus Christ raising this daughter from death. For though he strictly charged the parents, as the other evangelists say, that they should tell no man what was done, the Lord Jesus Christ instructed them to say to nobody what was done. He not affecting the applause of men, yet it was not possible the thing should be entirely concealed, since there was such a number of people who full well known and who full knew about the death of their daughter and were assured that it assured she had been dead. So the Lord when he told them don't say to anybody. Again, he was not after being glory. But this news cannot be hidden because many people knew about her death and now she is alive. So when he saw her alive, walked about, eat and drink, conversed with them, he must be persuaded of the miracle and related wherever he came. So he mentioned this miracle wherever he went. So that's the theme of it. Could not be, uh, could not be, could not but be spread all over the country in which Katrina was. So this was spread in the whole country. Uh, then, verse 27 When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this, to heal you? He said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to faith, let it be healed. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it. But when he had departed this present news about him in all that time. Another American healing two blind men And these two men called Jesus Son of David. Son of David for the Jews means the Messiah. 
So they knew that their cry should be a cry of mercy, and uh, they must be fervent in their cry. Uh, that's why the Lord Jesus Christ asked us when we pray to be persistent in our prayer. When we request and ask God to have mercy upon us, we need to be persistent and we do this fervently, like these two lines to the name. Jesus actually demanded as a condition for any blessing, there has to be an expression of faith. If you believe. So, in order to receive a blessing from the Lord, you need to demonstrate faith. This is the hand which takes what God offers. Faith is the hand which takes what God offers the spiritual organ of appropriation. Uh, of course, the Lord is telling the word of them, as we read, not to say. Anything about the matter. But of course, people now who knew them, they knew they were blind and now they can see. So, their change of condition was sufficient to take the story without their indiscreet value. That's why the Lord told them, you don't have to say anything. People will know. But they failed to obey, which they should have done. Uh, whether they understood the reason of the command or not. But actually, he went and started to say the story to everybody. Uh, and here we can actually see there are some lessons we learn about the Lord Jesus Christ. He is alive. He raised the daughter of Jairus. He not only breaks the bond of mortal death, but gives the soul a spiritual life. Another lesson he is the infallible physician. Diseases of body, sores of heart, sense of the soul, that no man can heal, disappear at this touch. So he is the life itself, and he is the incredible physician, and he is the light of our world by enlightening their eyes, making them see the light. At his word, sightless I see. At his word, darkened soul also flooded with light. Another miracle, verse 32, as he went, uh, verse 32, yes, as he went out, behold, they brought to him a man, mute and demon possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never seen like this in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He cast out demons. By the ruler of the demons. Uh, another miracle here healing is the man who was demon possessed. Uh, when demon possessed a person, he made him either paralytic or blind or mute, sick. The uh, Lord Jesus Christ, when he cures, he actually cures at the root. So, this man, why he was mute? Because he was possessed. That's why he removed the effect by taking away the cause. So, by casting out the demon, this man would speak. 
Matthew was very, very brief in mentioning this miracle. So he comes to the demon and the man starts to speak. The effect was immediate and the restoration was complete here. People, when they saw this miracle, declared that Jesus is the and when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke and the multitude marveled, saying, It was never seen like this in Israel. So here we have two groups. The multitude were amazed and marveled and filled with wonder and declared, No prophet had ever done such wonders. Yet they did not say he is God. And here we can see the poor and simple people more ready to acknowledge the hand of God. But the educated, the Pharisees, actually, as their usual stubbornness, they said, you know, he cast out demon by Baal Zabub, the head of the demons. Uh, and is it possible for a demon to cast out demon? In another narrative, the Lord said, if demon is divided against himself, actually their kingdom will be destroyed. St. Uh, John Christon said, Moreover, he did not only cast out devils, but he cleansed the lepers, raised the dead, calmed the poor, forgave sins by his own power, preached the eternal felicity of heaven, and brought back man to God, all which the devil, the devil never could, never would bestow upon mankind. So, how, how, Baal Zabub will cast out a demon. And actually, Baal Zabub will strengthen the demon in this man and support the other demon not to weaken and to destroy him and to cast him out. Verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is painful, but the rivers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So, the here the Lord Jesus Christ did not only visit the great and wealthy cities, but the poor um, villages, and he preached and healed everywhere. He was not the God of rich people, but with everybody. Even the poor, the people who are neglected, people have no one to remember them when everywhere. The Lord seldom looked upon a crowd of the poor, lost human beings without being moved with tender compassion. When you see the weakness of humanity, their suffering, their poverty, their illness, they actually remove this compassion. St. John Chrysostom said, 
the Pharisees indeed were the shepherds, but they acted as a part of the ravenous wolves, not only neglecting to lead the people to virtue, but even hindering as much as they could their advancement in good. For when the admiring multitude cried out, Never did the light appear in Israel, they immediately decried saying, By the prince of devils, he cast out devils. So here he is saying, These shepherds were reverent words about the, the scribes and Pharisees. Even they were not only, it was not only enough for them to deny Jesus, but when the people started to follow Jesus, they cast it out in their hearts. Uh, and here, Sir Matthew concludes this chapter with a very beautiful end. Like, you has dream. So, and, and the dream actually uh, was waiting. So, a waiting field of golden grain invites many harvesters and demand haste. When you see field has a lot, a lot of fruit, but you don't have harvesting. So, we need laborers actually to reap the harvest. The souls who are ready to receive the truth are very numerous, but the laborers are few. There are multitudes of scribes, Pharisees, priests, of brethren, and uh, right brethren men, but there are few that work. The Lord needs the workers, the laborers. People expected the Messiah, he were prepared to receive the gospel, but laborers were few. He directed them, therefore, to pray to the Lord of Harvest to send forth uh, rituals. And this commandment for all of us. This verse is very true until today. Yes, the harvest is finished, and the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers to his harvest. God is the owner of the great harvest of the world, and he only can send people to their very uh, This concludes chapter uh, 9 of the Council of Christian Religion. So maybe I'd like to open it with you. And I'm going to have a discussion on the Sahti. Just to respect as much as we can. I will read it only 15 minutes. وبكر عندك أفكار تناقشهم على بعضهم ولا بعضهم يجوا الصلوات يعني 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 two forty five صار ميلين. أنا تناقش معكم موضوع بخصوص التعليم درجات الشمسية. أصدقين يعني now when we are doing أفسرتوس the Apostles actually does what the Archdeacon does. And this doesn't make sense. The Apostles miss chapter. It means he's not allowed to read or to serve as the author. A reader means a reader who doesn't allow to serve as the author. 
and then the epidiacon and the diacon and the diacon, these are who are allowed to serve in the world. But here, actually, when a person reaches six years old, and they teach him two or three things, and salas, the tradition, the Christian religion, and so on. Then, but I didn't have anything about it. And it lay it's الأبسلطس اللي هو المرتب المرتب في آل الدرجات بعدها المقارب وبعدها الدياكن أو المساعد الدياكن ثلاثة الدرجات فمطلوب من الأبسلطس ده ما بيعمل حاجة غير أنهما بيقفوا برة في الكوير وبيرم بأسرون في الأبسلطس المرتب زي رحنا رسمناه النهاردة الأول ذلك من المفروض يرنم ويقول التلاتين بعد الخمس. المفروض إن هما يقروا ويرنموا التلاتين. يرد بعدها الأغنصص وهو صوت المفروض يقروا. ودي ردة ثانية. وطبعًا أي وقت يرد على ممكن يعمل أي من يعني الأغنصص ممكن يرد عليه. وبعد كده يرد بعدها هي بيأكل بيأكل أصلًا بيأكل عايزة تكنس كامل. لكن في ذلك الدرس أقول بيكون في ذلك أو بيستعمل بيكون في ذلك. لما النهاردة تلاقوا يدخلوا الأبسط في ذلك وممكن يكون الأغنص اسمه أكين برا. فالأبسط سوان بيكونوا جوه. أو لو فيه بيكون 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 برا ويدخلوا الأبسط في ذلك. ده عدم فهم. الكيادة برا أهم من يدخلوا المزرح جوه. برغم الكنيسة هي فاهمة الأمور الصعبة بتقول لا إن المسرح هو أهم من روح الكتب فالمفروض كل ما الواحد بيترقى بيقرب من المسرح. المشكلة أنا ممكن أقول إن ده قانون الكنيسة أنا لو فعلتها ده قانون الكنيسة هقول إن فيها حاجة غلط. بس المشكلة إحنا إشمعنا. إحنا إشمعنا. للأسف ده مش مفعل في الكرازة المقصود لا في مصر ولا في العالم كله. فلو جينا احنا في درسية عندنا قلنا هنفعل درجات الشمسية الأبسطس 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 إلى آخره. هيجيني ناس يقولوا الله طب اسمعنا احنا في البلد عندنا كان عيلنا أبسطس الأبسطس في إيه؟ وبتمنعوهم ليه؟ يعني أنتوا صح وسيدنا عندنا في البلد كان غلط. هيجيني كده. لكن أنا يعني أنا بكلمكم بصراحة أنا ضميري مش مرتاح اللخبطة في درجات الشمسية دي ضميري مش مرتاح ونفسي نفعل درجات الشمسية أو خلاص لو أبسطت نعمل كل حاجة يبقى نلبح حاجة إن إحنا نراقب خلاص نخليها درجة واحدة هي درجة الشمس خلاص ما هو طالما يعني النهاردة مثلا أصلا ما أحبش فرق الميلس بالرسول الأحمد ده 
بس هي دي البروموشن اللي بحب اعملها في السيرت الاحمر ده. هو الاصل الشعري. يعني دي بس اللي بقى يعني هتفرق في ايه خلاص نرجع بقى نرجع نكتب في رد. خلاص يعني نتفق كده ان هو يبقى رد واحده يبقى اسمه سنه يعني كل حاجه وخلاص. نعم. فأنا عارف الموضوع ده ممكن أن يقول لك بنشجع ولادنا يعني الأرجن بقى لما نفتقد أي كنيسة يقول لك إيه ولادنا بيفتحنا من خصوص الهيكل لما نفتحنا من خصوص الهيكل ده مش هيشجعكم فأنا هسألك سؤال كم واحد من اللي بيترسموا في أكسالتس بتلاقوهم موجودين في الكنيسة بيخدموا كسنوسة في سن 21 22 سنة احنا مثلا احنا مثلا لما دخلنا اقساط السنه اللي فاتت او سنتين ثلاثه اللي فاتت هنا بس اقل مثلا من 100 واحد. كم كم واحد من ال 100 دول لما وصلوا سن 22 سنه هتلاقيهم لابسين وبيختموا. بالكثير قوي بالكثير قوي يعني قوي مثلا 10% يعني 10 من ال 100 دول. يبقى لو نظام ده هيبقى لو لو نظام بيوصل لغايه 10% يبقى اسمه نظام ناجح. يبقى احنا فرحانه مع صغيره ولكن ده ما بيخليهاش تثبت الفورس. هتقولوا لي طب ما الولاد بيتسحبوا. هو بيتسحبوا ما حدش بيحفظهم لانهم حافظين. يعني برضه الحاجات اللي بتضايقني قوي. يجون كواير هيعمل حفله في ليله راس السنه أو في عيد الشهيد أبناءه. يقعدوا يدربوا في الكوار ده كام شهر. والكوار يطلع ويقول البرفورمانس بتاعه رائع لمدة مثلا نص ساعة. وبعدين خلاص. والشماسية إن هما بيقولوا كل يوم مش نص ساعة في السنة. دول ما يتعملوش براكتس في التريننج. تلاقي بقى إيه؟ يا إما حافظين ومش مفيش صوت واحد. لأن حافظين أرحام معينة في أرحام مش حافظينها، زائد برضه أنا كان مكانش على الكنيسة يعني أنا قلت لكم الموضوع ده بيفتح كل الكنايس، أنا بتكلم من سنة لأن، زائد بقى تلاقوا أحيانا الأداء لا يشجع البارتيسيبيشن بتاع الناس كلها، من الحاجات المهمة إن الريكورد يشجع البارتيسيبيشن بتاع الناس كلها. لكن لو اللي بيقود ده ما بيشجعش ان الكل يقول معاه خلاص. وزائد اللي بيقود المفروض ما يبقاش صوته مميز عن صوت الباقيين، يعني في الكواير ما يبقاش في صوت مميز. الكل بيقول مع بعض صوت واحد. ده المفروض كده، يسبحونا بصوت واحد. يسبحونا بصوت واحد صوت لو بقى عندنا الخمسه دول يتدربوا زي الكواير ويقفوا يقولوا زي الكواير اكشلي مش هيبقى بورنج بالنسبه هو بورنج لان في كنايس كثيره اللي الحافظين في الالحان هم 7 8 10 20 والباقيين واقفين كده فبيسحب طبعا الهيكل بالنسبه لمور انتريستنج يروح بيسوريا بيجيب الكاتب بيقولها 
ما تقول يعني هو رجال كلام أنت سمعت الصوت في السوشي هيك خلاص أنت بقى مفروض لو أنت فعل يعني بقى يعني أنا النهاردة ما يسمح له يقوم بدور الدياك ما مش يسمح له فلو أنت سمحت له يقوم بدور الدياك ما بيسمح في هيك الناس في الأوان يعني على دينا هي الفرق بين رد اليورد بين تشكيك الاواني؟ لا طبعا لا يعني اكبر من كده بس انا يعني عايز اقول ايه؟ خلينا انا مش بناقش مشاكل السماسه انا بناقش مشكله واحده اللي هي تفعيل درجات السماسيه عن باي ذا واي اسمها السماسيه مش الشموسيه الشموسيه جايه من الشموس والشموس والجموح حصان انما السماسيه هي نسبه الى الشماس هي تقول أشتر ما سيدي مش ألف مسلم أشتر ما ربما بقى لما يعرف ان في ومش يقدر يقرا غير لما يبقى في نصص ومش يقدر يدخل الهيكل غير لما بياكل فده بيكون بالنسبه له حادث في حاجه لكن هو هو طالما اتمسك وبيعمل اللي بيعمله الارض بياكل من اول يوم هو سن ست سنين زي الفاصل بتروح فوق فوق يعني اي شيء دقيقه ونص طبعا في اسكريستال اشي بلا شك يا رايح كمان ما يسكريستال اه دي برضه خلينا يعني في رؤيه هيستثنى من هذا الستاتوس الاسبوع وهيستثنى من هذا الكوميونتيز الصغيره يعني مثلا اظن اللي بقى بيروحوا الاول مثلا فبيبقوا صغيره يعني كل فيهم وعايزينهم اللي بيخدموا فهيستثنى يعني دي هتطبق في الاول على يوم الاحد فقط. انما قدسات وسط الاسبوع والكوميونتيز الصغيره يعني هنسمح فيها يعني حدثها. هي فكره ان انا نفسي يعني الاباء المقدسين لما حطوا رتب رتب واقدر الرسل حطوا رتب ما كانش كده حاجه عشوائيه. يعني مثلا الكهنوت مثلث اسقف وكاهن وسماس كل بيتكم. الناس مكرس. دلوقتي المثلث الكهنوتي ماشي ازاي؟ الكهن بيقول بالعمل الروحي فقط فقط. والشماس بيقول بالعمل الاداري والمالي للكنيسه. والاثنين زي ريبورت للاسره. هل تعتبر بالاباء وقتهم ضايع في الاعمال الاداريه والماليه؟ يعني مثلا في السيره الكنيسه الجديده. الاباء هم المشغولين بقى ونشوف العقد والكونتراكت والكنيسه وبنعمل فيها ايه ونعمل اللون من البنك ده مش ضد دي شغل تدياكم ده مش شغل ابونا ابونا وقته انه يسحب يسحب يقف على الاحتراف الضاله الاحتراف الكثير اللي محتاج فعله ده المفروض ابونا بيعمل كده 
فالكنيسه قالت كده ان استغاثة يوم بالعمل الالهي لا يترك لا يصح ان يترك المطالب في الموانئ والكهنه يوم بالعمل الروحي والاثنين بيريبورت للقسم انا دلوقتي في مسلسل كهنوتي عندنا في الكنيسه اعرف مش على رجلين يعني زي ما يكون كرسي المفروض يقف على ثلاث ارجل واقف على رجلين فعندنا باي وان جيت وان فري جيت ابريست ويل دو بوز هيعمل لك الاكسترن الابريست والسماس فهنا لما نيجي مثلا نقول طب نفس السماس كامل في الاثنين دايما يكون الناس انسان ما تشوفش الناس قاعده هنا في التناول يعني كده دول الناس وبعدين بيساعدوا يقولوا في التناول وانا رافض الفكره دي رافض ان انا مجرد اجيب راجل فقي كبير كده يرسمه عشان التناول بدل ما بياخد ساعه ياخد نص ساعه عشان يساعد ابونا ينور ده. رافض الفكره دي ما ينفعش ان ان دور الشماس اللي حددوا الاسطوريه في وقوانين الرسل في حاجات كثيره ان انا في جنس مجرد ان يبيع عشان يساعد في التناول بس على كده. او او مثلا اكون عشان نص كويس وانا ومصرها بتسمو السيس. ده برضه عدم فهم لدور الشماس في الكنيسه. فاول ما يلاقوا شماس كويس مثلا يكون ديكون وكده يقول لك اسمه السيس. ف يعني اتمنى اتمنى ان المثلث الكهنوتي يرجع تاني مفعل. ده هيدي نهضه كبيره للخدمه الكنيسه كلها. اتمنى يبقى في اتهامه في الشمامسه الكل ركابهم احنا بنقول وكل الركب. بس النهارده كله بيعملنا بشكل مش فاهم. وده ده هنعمله. اتفضل. اتفضل. 